This episode of The Taylor Stevens Show is brought to you by listeners, readers, and patrons. If you'd like to learn how to support this podcast, please visit www.patreon.com slash taylorstevens. Taylor Stevens, the New York Times best-selling and award-winning author of kick-ass international thrillers, and this is The Taylor Stevens Show with my good friend Steve Campbell, where we are kicking writing in the butt one word at a time. Happy belated New Year's, Taylor. Well, happy belated New Year's to you too, Steve. And happy belated release day. Yes, that is, um, yes, it happened. (laughs) (laughs) It happened. And over the holidays, you know how every so often, I'm talking to you listeners out there, you know how every so often I will try and engage Taylor in a conversation about sports, which is inevitably fruitless. But today, (laughs) she confessed that she had actually gone to see a sporting event over the holiday. So I want to dig into this. Taylor, what did you do? Yeah, you're finally talking about sports. Um, well, it's it's a hockey it's a hockey thing. Um, that's the one sport that occasionally I go to games with. Not because I'm the one going, hey, I want to go, but because I'm you know going with somebody, and um, and hockey is the one. And and there is a a game that happens once a year. It's been going on for the last twelve years. It's called the Winter Classic, and it's not really part of the season, but it's um, it's held outdoors in outdoor. Uh, stadiums and stuff and it's often the same like some teams get picked for it very frequently and other teams never get picked for it and this year um, the Dallas Stars were one of the teams that were playing and um, and it happened to be in Dallas and it was kind of like for if you live here and you follow the stars like a once in a lifetime event and they held it at the Texas State Fair well the fair park where they have the Texas State Fair And so it was going to be this big, it wasn't just the game. They also opened up the fair park grounds, opened up some of the rides, um, the concession stands, game stands and everything. And like the rides were going to be free. Um, The food, you know, was all like fair food and stuff like that. And so it was a big deal. It wasn't just a one-time thing uh, where, you know, it's just the game or whatever. And so, yeah, I got to go to that. It was a lot of fun. It was really ga- It was a really good game. A lot of uh, tension and stars won. Yay! And, and, and so, um, for people who don't know, this is actually it's an outdoor event where you're sitting outdoors. Presumably, it's cold. Although I don't know if it would have been cold in Dallas. Yeah, it was. I mean, for me, it was cold. It was like in the fifties temperature wise, um, and it was kind of windy. But, I mean, obviously that's not enough to make the ice freeze, but they bring in, like, these big cooling units that freeze it. And it is. It's an open-air stadium. It's the stadium where, you know, it's normally – it's a cotton bowl, so normally it's a football. And um, the the stadium that the Stars usually play at is downtown, and it's covered. And it I think it only holds, like, 35,000 people. It probably holds bowl, about fifteen to 20,000. Most hockey arenas are fifteen to 20. It, okay. Um, and then, but the combo holds like, I don't know, 80, 85, 80, 90,000 people. And so it was way bigger than any normal game and it was full sold out. And so they, they posted the numbers. They said like 86,000 and something people had attended that day. So it was massive. 
Um, and so, yeah, it was a lot of fun and I got to do that and I was like, woohoo, now I can talk about sports one time. <laughs> <laughs> so I just looked it up. It's a, it, um, Google says it's 20,000. The original arena okay. holds 20,000. And I will say that I am not a huge hockey fan. I like to go to watch hockey. I don't like to watch it on TV, but the winter classic, if it's snowing, I love to watch that because that's just insane. But it, obviously, it wasn't snowing there. But it, I mean, what a what a thrill to get to go see a winter classic. That's really cool. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And then fun. The other funny part about it was they um, because it was held on the fair fairgrounds. They were also using it as a way to promote the Texas State Fair. And so they had like some of the same kind of activities they would have had. So they had pig racing and mutton busting and like, um, you know, rodeo tricks and, uh, roping and stuff like that. And so that was like in between. So, you know, you'll get like a two minute commercial break and you have a pig race and a commercial break. But it was really entertaining. It was fun. Oh my goodness. All right. So we do actually have a writing topic today and that topic is going to be flow. And we will get into that after I have my very quick sporting talk of my own because I'm sure Taylor doesn't know this, but those of you who listen to the show regularly know that I follow Ohio State football, and yes, it was a crushing loss, and I'm very disappointed, but life goes on, and I'm excited to see the championship game. So with that being said, um, let's get to today's show. Okay, so Flo, we're not talking about the progressive lady commercial thing. We're Um, not? Because I had all my questions were about that. (laughs) This is flow with a W at the end. Um, Okay, so long-time listeners will be aware of this, but I need to recap a little bit for those who aren't aware, is there are sort of three legs under which most of my hack-the-craft-type observations, do this, not that, fall. And they are perspective anchoring and flow. And we've talked we've talked a lot about perspective, which is what how you write the story through tell it through the eyes of the characters that we're actually seeing it through their eyes and not from a distant point of view. I sometimes call that um, TV versus first person shooter. And we've talked a lot about that. And we've also talked a lot about anchoring, and anchoring is um, where you never let the reader lose contact with the story, where the characters are in place and time. and But we don't really talk a lot about flow. And so um, I was reading something recently that sort of triggered it in my mind of wanting to give, give at least one example of what it actually means and how this shows up on the page. So I've never actually been able to conceptual, easily conceptualize what flow is. It's kind of one of those, I know it when I see it type things. But as I was thinking about this podcast and how to describe it, I think the easiest way is that flow is the heartbeat of the story. So it's the the rhythm and the pattern of the details as they get laid down. And flow issues arise when some kind some detail that's in the author's head actually makes it to a page to the page. So it becomes a story element, but it's invisible in the sense that the characters, move around it as if it exists, the the story continues on as if it was put there on the page, but the detail itself never actually tangibly shows up. So 
it's it's similar to anchoring in that you know it's a, it's a sense of losing time and place in the story but anchoring is really more about connecting to the character itself or themselves whatever um so that the reader doesn't lose their place in time and space and they always know where that character's body is and so anchoring issues give rise to disembodied voices disembodied characters whereas flow gives issue, flow issues give rise to disjointed details and that's like when the heart skips a beat so you get a sense that something odd happened but excuse me <clears throat> it's hard to pinpoint what exactly that was. So if it's just a one-time thing, this one-time detail that gets overlooked, it gets missing, it's, it's really easy to overlook it and not, and not be a big deal. But if this happens regularly, repeatedly, or if it happens in more important type details, the story starts to feel like there's some kind of arrhythmia to it or tachycardia, depending on the circumstances. And so flow issues generally are really small. They're not plot holes. They're not these big overarching things that just jump out at you where you're like, ah, you know, they totally missed this thing or this thread that got dropped. It's more the, the absence of small textual details or conversational pieces that would be building out the story beats. It's the flow of the story, the heartbeat, the beats, right? So it's because it's difficult to explain, I was like, okay, let me try and create sort of an example. And it's always hard to create examples because, A, you think that, oh, this is super exaggerated, and I'm trying to keep it as real as possible, but B, I got to make it up. <laughs> it's just, it's never as good when you make it up yourself as when it actually shows up on the page, but I can't like go borrow other people's material and just steal it out of a book or whatever. So making it up, let's say we've got Mary, our famous Mary character, right? And she's going to be on her way to an after hours company party. And it's going to be at some location she's never seen before. So never been before. So we're just kind of setting the stage for this, right? So now we have Mary. She's home. She's in her room. She's nervous about this event because she knows that Tom, a guy that she previously had a thing with, he's going to be there. So we see, and so in, prior to like the prop, the scene that's going to have the flow issue, the little f paragraph that has the flow issue, we're going to have this scene where we see Mary at home. She's in her room getting ready. We know where she's going after. We know how she feels about it. And we watch her choose her clothes, la, 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 la. And then that's it. She looks at the time. She knows she can't put it off any longer. She starts to get ready and scene. So that's all we know, right? Mary's going someplace. She's getting ready. We know how she feels about it, right? So now we have our example scene. We're starting cold. There's, we don't have any special clues. You know, some chapters have time, place, whatever in them. This is nothing. We're just like, last thing we knew, Mary's going to this event. And she's getting ready, right? And so the, the, the story would go something like this, right? The restaurant was located in the arts district, which might as well have been the lights district. For several blocks in all directions, signs and buildings were outlined with strands of soft white bulbs that made the whole place seem like a winter wonderland as Mary alighted and began the short walk. A small crowd had already gathered in the restaurant foyer by the time she got there. She glanced around nervously and was relieved to see Tom was missing. So because that 
is such a small amount of story, and it's a very roughly made up one at that, we're not immersed in it the way we would hopefully be if we're reading an actual book. So I'm going to read it one more time because it can be a little more difficult to spot the issues when you're just reading this random piece of text pulled out of context than it would if you were actually immersed in a story. And so I want to give you guys a chance to to hear the problem for yourself and, and catch it. And so... Again, just to remind you, this is a cold open. We don't have any other details about where Mary is or what she's doing um, other than what's here on the page, right? The restaurant was located in the Arts District, which might as well have been the Lights District. For several blocks in all directions, signs and buildings were outlined with strands of soft white bulbs that made the whole place seem like a winter wonderland as Mary alighted and began the short walk. A small crowd had already gathered in the restaurant foyer by the time she got there. She glanced around nervously and was relieved to see Tom was missing. So where is the flow issue? There are two of them, actually. And they are in the final words of the first paragraph where it says, as Mary alighted and began the short walk. Because up until now, we've seen the area where she is and we get a sense of the lights and we get a sense of all of that. And we already know Mary's frame of mind from the previous chapter But here she alights and begins the short walk. We have no context of how she got there. We don't know if she's on foot. We don't know if she, um, how how far it is from wherever this thing, did she take a streetcar? Did she take a taxi? Did she ride a bike? Did she, we don't know any of that, right? But as this is written, clearly the author did, the author being me in this case, but in the examples that you'll see out in the wild, the the author had this in mind because of the word choices that they used, a short walk, alighted, whatever. It indicates that in the author's mind, they saw how Mary got there, but they just never actually said it on the page. So fixing it is really, really easy. It's not complicated. Flow problems are more an issue of spotting them before it gets to the stage of, you know, final drafts or whatever. So in this case, let's say that um, Mary took a taxi or no, let's say she took a a bicycle. Let's say she, she rode a bike, right? So it would say, you know, she seemed like a winter wonderland as Mary alighted from her bike and began the short walk from bike stand to the restaurant. It, it's just these tiny, tiny little details that when they're not there and you, and you write around them as if they do exist, the reading brain just has this like brief flash, this gap, and the flow is broken. The flow of the story, the flow of the beat is broken because there's a, a blank spot right there. And so, yeah, that's what flow is. And that's an example of how it'll show up. And the fixing it part is really just a matter of filling in the missing details, which means as you go back and you read your drafts, you have to be really careful that what you're imagining doesn't stay only inside your head, that it it actually does get out onto the page. Because if it's not there, it's going to feel very... um, very amateurish 
And uh, it's it's not that you're looking to so richly texture the work that it, it it you go overboard, but you need to at least provide the texture that guides the story, guides the movement beats and everything else. All right, you said there were two examples in in yeah. your example, so that's one. No, that is both of them because the alighted part is one. She alighted from what? Like, oh, okay. And the other is the short walk. She began the short walk from where to what? Right. So in that last sentence, we have two two blanks that never got filled in, even though in the author's head it must have existed. Gotcha. Okay. Th- and that makes sense. And to a certain extent, it almost just seems like sometimes you're just reading along and you realize that a sentence doesn't make sense and you, you go back and you read it again and you see that there's a word missing. And it, it, to a certain extent, it's almost like that. In, in it's the, exactly it, but like it's that. It's a key word yes. that's missing, or in this case, an actual phrase, because, I mean, you could say alighted from the bike, but, you know, there's still more to it than that, because you had to link to that next part that was also the, the flow issue as well. Right. So in, in ca- instead of it being a word missing, it's an idea that's missing. It's a concept. It's a, a visual, right? But yeah, you nailed it. It's like having a word missing. And when we first, when we were chatting about this before we got started uh, about the concept of the show, I was thinking to myself, wow, that sounds a lot like anchoring. But as you describe this, it doesn't really sound like anchoring. It's a version of it by, because we're missing something in in the picture, but it's a, it is a different thing. And and that, that, that makes a lot of sense now. And, and like when I talk about anchoring and how it's avoiding disembodied voices, disembodied characters and such, you could look at this particular example and say, well, that's Mary's body that we're talking about. She alighted from what to what. But we still have a sense of where she is in time and space up till that point because we know she's in this district. She knows we know sort of how the things around her look and we know um, that that's where she is, right? We didn't just start with, you know, I don't know. I, I'm not really good at coming up with examples on the fly. But it's different in the sense that um, with anchoring, it, the authors, it's not that the author doesn't know or it's not that they're failing to get a detail onto the page. It's that the order that it's in or they've chosen not to for whatever reasons because they're they're going a certain direction without realizing that the the character is no longer anchored to time and space but in this case it's just an oversight it's it's not it's not a choice and the thing that gets me about flow it it frustrates me so bad when i see it um almost in a, an OCD sort of way. And it's because with flow, you can keep on going and, and miss it. Like you should, you should know better as, as the author, you should know better, but it's not like a missing word, for example, where someone's going to mark it and catch it because it grammatically doesn't make sense. It's that with flow, you could have, a whole entire paragraph that technically says nothing, 
but it feels like it's saying something <laughs> because those details are missing. And it is the kind of thing that readers pick up. Uh, the publishing company that I work for, we have an email address that we in- encourage readers if they see any problems at all with the books to email us so that we can fix them. And it's, I won't say there are zillions of things like this, but these are the fixes that come in that raise questions. Like, um, what was really in the author? Like, in, in this particular example, what did the author have in mind? Because you may not be able to go back, you know, read backwards a chapter and forwards a chapter and figure out whether it was a bicycle, a car, a cab, a train. It, you may not know. And you, you have to ask the author, hey, what was it you had in mind here? And, and, and that's the thing is, too, is it almost doesn't even matter. Like, <laughs> it's not a critical detail to the story. Well, it's Unless kind of it's a, a character thing. Like you, you said, oh, let's make it, let's make it a bicycle. Well, that tells you yeah. something about Mary. It does. It does. But it's not a plot. It's not, unless that bicycle um, comes into the plot later in the story, it's not really a plot-based thing. So you're completely right about it being character. But in the grand scheme of the story itself, it doesn't matter. But it still needs to be there. Like It's not like the story won't make sense if we don't know whether she took a bike or a bus. It's just a detail, right? Yes. So you started this out as you were describing flow. Um, You were talking about sort of three main components of the Hack the Craft idea, essentially, and that's perspective, anchoring, and flow. And and the fact that we have spent so much more time on perspective and anchoring is flow. Why does flow tend to get short shift? I think it's harder to spot. And I think also... um, it's possible that most of the stuff that I've read and also in my own writing, I'm, it, it, it shows up more in the writing of the inexperienced, I think. Because the more you, you do this, the more you go at it, the more you notice things that aren't flowing properly. And you, you fix them and you fill them in. And so I think if... I were to be reading a lot more um, first drafts, rough drafts, I would be seeing it a lot more and it would be easier to define. But when, when I don't have, and I'm not spotting examples of it in the wild, it's harder for me to have something to articulate and say, oh, this is why it didn't work. Oh, this is how you're going to see it. And I just want to, to clarify, like when we talk about perspective anchoring and flow, to me, Almost every issue that you find in in the writing that could be cleaned up, should be cleaned up, should be should be done differently falls under one of those three categories. And so to me, by breaking it down and saying, oh, this is a perspective issue, this is an anchoring issue, this is a flow issue, it provides sort of a shorthand where you can say, oh, if this is the issue, here's how you fix it. If this is what the problem is, then here's the easiest way to go about it. So as you're as you're looking at your own work, if if you can define what it is, oh, this is a flow issue, this is an anchoring issue, whatever, then you don't sit there beating your head against it going, how do I restructure this? How do I rewrite it? You're like, oh, there's detail missing. Let's just fill that in and move on, right? So that's the goal of giving them these labels is because 
typically, in my experience, almost every issue falls under one of those three. So find it, figure it out, easy fixes. I like it. All right. Well, that, I I think, covers it for this show on flow. And I can't believe I just said that. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, Thank you for being back with us again after the new year. We look forward to being in your ear next Tuesday and throughout the 2020. And it's just hard to believe that it's 2020 already. Um, Thank you, guys. We hope you had a a fantastic Christmas, fantastic New Year's. uh, And we're, we're all ready to go for 2020. See you next week.